now, America's number one show on pop culture and politics. This is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth, but not a great day for our economy. It's been a long time since we've had great economic days. This is uh, clearly a problem for the country. And what's amazing is how little uh, people have any confidence at all in the way the country is being led. The um, uh, Drudge headlines, wholesale inflation 10.8%. Market route evokes memories of layman. Property values falling across USA, Europe. Real estate firms announce layoffs. Goodbye, Dow 30,000. The Dow, again, down uh, about 200. It had been up a little bit at the beginning of the session today. But this is a problematic outlook. Wall Street Journal headlines. Higher unemployment rate looms as the Fed flights inflation. Uh, UK economy shrinks for second month as outlook dims. Economy week ahead, Fed, other central banks in focus. Sizzling prices complicate Fed's inflation fighting strategy. And then from CNBC, and it's being reported everywhere, the Fed is likely to uh, boost interest rates by three quarters of a point this week. Now, with all of this going on, what's amazing to me is uh, how much people, politicians, particularly Democratic politicians, seem to be trying to change the subject. We'll be talking to Doug Schoen, who has been a political advisor, pollster, analyst uh, for both major parties, candidates who were independent, who were Democrats, who were Republicans. He was uh, actually an advisor to the Clintons when they were in power. But he says that the, the Democratic attempt to change the subject and to talk about issues that they hope will mobilize their bases, issues like uh, um, firearms and gun control, issues like abortion with the looming uh, overturning of Roe v. Wade coming along, Democrats feel they can uh, go ahead and mobilize their base. He says no, they are looking to a historic wipeout and it could be a wipeout that is more one-sided even than 1994, where the uh, Democrats uh, lost 55 seats in the House, or uh, even worse than uh, uh, 2010, where they lost uh, 63 seats in the House. Uh, this um, this is getting very very serious and. Yet it doesn't signify that on some of the subsidiary issues that, uh, that according to the polls at least, that people necessarily uh, agree with Republicans. But uh, today on a primary day, there's a fascinating piece about Nevada. Nevada has been a swing state. It went for Hillary in 2016 and then went uh, for Biden last time. But uh, this time, people are looking at the possibility of all of the congressional seats, all three in Nevada, going from Democrat to Republican. That would be part of this sweep. What does the primary hold in store? 
It's colorful. It's Nevada, after all. It's Las Vegas. We will get to that. We will also, I, I, you, you have to try to uh, see if, if the president is addressing this economic issue with anything like a hopeful attitude, given the fact that, according to most polling, below one-third of Americans approve of the job he's doing with the economy. Uh, no wonder he sounded pretty angry. He spoke to the AFL-CIO, the big labor union, this morning. And uh, here's uh, what the president of the United States sounded like, clip 16. Gas is up and food is up, which we're going to get down come hell or high water. This is America. We can do any damn thing we put our minds to. And guess what? We're not going back to the false promises of the trickle-down economics. We're going forward. We're going forward. Okay. Uh, and uh, then uh, angry, uh, a very angry uh, uh, Biden talking about lies, uh, and lies not about the election of 2020, not lies about what the committee, uh, the January 6th committee has been focused on. He claims there are lies about the economy. This is clip 20. I don't want to hear any more of these lies about reckless spending. We're changing people's lives. And because of the fact this year, we're delivering the biggest drop in deficit in the history of the United States of America. Okay, he's difficult to understand. He was saying we're going to have the biggest drop in deficit in the United States of America. Uh, people care about the price of milk. They care about the price of gas. Uh, and uh, basically, to promise a drop in the deficit, well, maybe that's something. But uh, then there's this. This is an ABC report. Again, this is not conservative media. It's ABC on surging gas prices and consumer goods. Clip 11. Out the price behind me, six forty-nine a gallon, and that is for regular gasoline. And a lot of places are seeing the prices even higher, according to AAA. Gas is nearly two dollars more per gallon than it was this time last year. That means, on average, people are spending a hundred sixty dollars more per month just to fill up. Even gas station owners are fed up. This one in Minnesota putting up a sign saying, "Quote: We hate our gas prices too." Michael. Yeah, it's funny sign, but these gas prices aren't funny. Eva, but it's not just gas that's costing us more. And that's exactly right. According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, prices are up across the board. Rent has jumped more than 26% from last year. Food prices are up. We're not just talking about eating out. We are talking about going to the grocery store and eating at home. That is up almost 12%. That's the biggest increase since 1979. Protein really seeing a spike. Eggs up more than 32%. Meats, poultry, fish up more than 14%. And in all, it is costing $341 more per month for you to buy the same things you were buying last year, Michael. Oh, that is a strain on everyone. Okay, the, the reason the president isn't talking about this is he has no idea what to do. Uh, there was a suggestion today by conservative columnist for the New York Times, Brett Stevens, who said that uh, what the president really needs to do is fire Janet Yellen. And 
okay, uh, and replace her with Larry Summers, who was associated with prosperity. He was Secretary of the Treasury in the Clinton years. He was also president of Harvard. He is a great favorite of a lot of uh, Democratic moderates. And uh, uh, would that make the economy turn around? I mean, it's it's very, very bleak right now. According to uh, Doug Schoen, who we're going to have on the show in a little while, the um, most recent polling on this is appalling. Uh, Biden's approval rating on the handling of the economy reached the lowest level of his presidency. Only 28 percent of Americans approve of Biden's handling of the economy, including just 21 percent of independents and 20 percent of Hispanics. Hispanics look like they are, as a group, uh, actually going to vote with a majority for Republicans if this polling is accurate. Uh, what could the president do and what should the Republicans offer to do or just basically uh, stand back, say we're not Biden and uh, therefore vote for us. Uh, we'll be talking about themes for Republicans as we get past this primary and uh, get into the election season itself. Uh, 1-800-955-1776. What should the Republicans emphasize in contrast to Joe Biden's sliding economy? We'll get to that and more. 1-800-955-1776. More of Michael Medved in a moment. Michael Medved show Americans are paying uh, more for just about everything and uh, Americans are feeling it so what what specifically is the answer and uh, again it is inevitable it's not unfair it uh, may be a little bit irrational but it is not unfair at all to blame some of the economic suffering and discomfort that people are going through on uh, Joe Biden. And one of the things that he is learning not to do or is supposed to be learning not to do is to uh, turn around and blame the economy on other people. What he is trying to say is that we're going to fix this, we're going to turn this around, except here's the problem that generally when you look at the prediction now that the Fed is going to raise interest rates by three-quarters of a percent, which is a lot. You feel that if you've borrowed a lot of money. And uh, you have a variable rate mortgage, for instance. And if that uh, mortgage goes up and, and you feel things, then uh, the fact that Joe Biden is trying to say, well, we're reducing the deficit and tax revenues are coming in and unemployment is like at uh, all-time lows. First of all, that probably won't stay that way because if we get this sharp increase in interest rates, the chances of a recession, and a recession usually brings with it a rise in unemployment. Can you imagine with uh, Joe Biden uh, facing the kind of unpopularity that he is right now? 
what things would be like if the economy really turns to the negative, to negative growth, to higher unemployment, combined with this nearly 10% inflation? It's extraordinary. This is a CNN reporting on uh, Americans paying more for just about everything. This is clip 18. Hi. Across the board, you're paying way more for just about everything. Haircuts, car parts, chicken. Right now, that costs 17% more than last year. Americans are feeling the pinch, and investors on edge. And uh, investors on edge indeed with uh, the possibility, as we saw in one of those headlines, of the Dow even falling below that 30,000 mark, which had been very encouraging, sustaining to people. Uh, and to uh, uh, over the weekend, uh, Joe Biden made uh, an insurance to people about the economy and about inflation, which uh, I don't think most Americans will accept. Uh, this is clip 15, Make President no of the United States. It. I understand inflation is a real challenge to American families. Today's inflation report confirmed what Americans already know. Putin's price hike is hitting America hard. Gas prices at the pump. Energy and food prices account for half of the monthly price increases since May. Inflation outside of energy and food, what they, the economists call core inflation, moderated the last two months. Not enough, but it moderated. It's come down. We need it to come down much more quickly. My administration is going to continue everything we can to lower the prices to the American people, and the Congress has to act, and they have been of late. Okay, uh, the Congress just did act. Uh, they passed a bill today over at the House, a uh, bill that would provide security protections to family members of Supreme Court justices, sending the measure to President Biden's desk for final approval. About time. I mean, it is appropriate to respond to that horrible threat to Associate Justice Brett Kavanaugh of the Supreme Court. The legislation dubbed the Supreme Court Police Parity Act cleared the House in a 396-27 vote with uh, only Democrats objecting to the measure. Why would they object to it? And it? Because there are some Democrats who think that since the Supreme Court has six Republican appointees out of the nine justices, that they somehow don't deserve protection. A passage in the lower chamber in the House comes more than a month after the Senate approved the bill by unanimous consent, meaning all 100 lawmakers signed off on the measure allowing it to clear without having to go through a formal vote. The uh, bill offers around-the-clock security protection to family members of Supreme Court justices and any officer of the bench if the court uh, martial deems it necessary. Uh, protections similar to those received by some executive and congressional officials. Uh, Supreme Court justices themselves already have federal protection. This extends it to family members and to associates on the court. By the way, no one should protect. They should protect against violence, certainly, but they shouldn't be protected against arrest, whoever the leaker is. And this is another uh, item for Democrats to dread 
it almost surely, as almost everyone has said, taking a look at the uh, Supreme Court and the way it operates, that whoever leaked that decision in advance, that crucial decision on Roe v. Wade on the Dobbs case, that um, individual is almost surely uh, a clerk or an associate of one of the three liberal justices, Breyer or uh, Sotomayor or Kagan. And uh, um, because Ketanji Brown-Jackson hasn't taken her place yet, it's still Stephen Breyer. When that individual is... Um, pointed out, uh, it will be, again, a completely unjustified and unjustifiable if the Democrats try to defend that individual against very severe consequences. So what are the consequences of all of the economic pressure? What can the Republicans say about it? There is a big conference uh, coming up uh, this weekend in Nashville, Tennessee, it is uh, uh, from the Faith and Freedom Coalition. Uh, Dr. Ralph Reed, who is the founder and the leader of the Faith and Freedom Coalition, is uh, going to be joining us to talk about, okay, we're getting down through the primaries, so it's going to be less about personalities, more about direction, more about issues. And what can the Republicans say to inspire the kind of meaningful mandate, not just a political victory, but a mandate in uh, November? Because after that comes the real challenge of trying to work with President Biden, and uh, who, who, by the way, got a key endorsement for his reelection campaign today. No, he really did. We'll tell you about that, too, coming up. But uh, we'll talk to Dr. Reed. Uh, Donald Trump is um, going to be speaking at this gathering uh, together with uh, Ted Cruz and Tim Scott and uh, Ron DeSantis and a lot of other potential presidential candidates. What does it all mean? We'll find out with uh, Ralph Reed coming up. We'll also be talking about the right way to address the economy for conservative progress coming up on the medved show your daily dose of debate bingo don't bingo me the michael medved show 1-800-955-SHOW. Uh, it is a pleasure to welcome back to the show my friend Dr. Ralph Reed, who is the founder and chairman of the Faith and Freedom Coalition. Um, the Faith and Freedom Coalition is hosting its annual Road to Majority Conference uh, this year in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, President Trump is going to be there. I think he is the keynote speaker. Uh, so is Ron DeSantis. Uh, so are prominent leaders of every field and of every orientation in the Republican Party. And uh, it is a, a always a very energetic, wonderful, energizing get-together. And I wish I could be there. Um, I do. But, uh, uh, Ralph... I, what uh, with the economy so miserable right now and causing 
so so much pain for so many Americans. Uh, do you um, are you doing anything to make sure that there is a focus on economic issues? Well, I have to be honest with you, Michael. I don't think we have to make sure of it. Um, I think when you have the highest inflation um, in four decades, the highest gas prices in recorded economic history, uh, when you have the stock market uh, imploding, uh, trillions of dollars of wealth going up in smoke, and the Federal Reserve, after candidly uh, being in denial and having their head in the sand for reasons that are entirely unclear to me. I mean, let me interject here, by the way, parenthetically, that the Federal Reserve was projecting as recently as the beginning of this year, that was only five months ago, that inflation this year would be 2%. They're now projecting just five or six months later that it won't reach 2% again until 2025. Now, if, if you were that off in forecasting, this is a central bank. It's the leading central bank in the world. The only thing you're supposed to do is to track M1 and M2, which are measures of the money supply, which, by the way, grew by 25% in roughly the last 18 to 24 months. So this is an economic catastrophe. And uh, it will be addressed. Uh, I'm going to be interviewing some of the Senate candidates. Uh, Herschel Walker running in Georgia will be there. Ted Budd running in North Carolina. We may be announcing others shortly. And I can tell you it's in the questions I'm going to be asking. And, and, and by the way, Michael, I'm sure you feel the same way that I do. But my reading of the Bible, my reading of the Word of God, is that God's Word speaks to every area of life. As social conservatives, as uh, born-again believers, as people of Orthodox faith, whether Christian or Jewish, um, we understand that the, the full counsel of God addresses every area of life. You know, there are many verses in the Old and New Testament that involve principles of money management uh, and financial planning, not just by individuals and families and businesses, but frankly by societies. And um, so, so we believe very strongly that there are biblical principles related to all this, and yes, they're going to be addressed throughout the conference. And I think, I think this economic catastrophe, this reverse Midas touch of the Biden administration, uh, is is going to lead to a a thumping at the polls in November. Well, that's what what all the polls seem to be saying. The, the question that I, I would ask is that uh, everybody remembers that, that other turning point election in 1994 when Newt Gingrich, and I know he's going to be speaking there at uh, a Road to the Majority conference coming up, but uh, Newt had devised a program that people got behind. It was the contract with America, and that gave the Republicans... A, uh, a great advantage when they did take over the Congress. That was the first time they'd taken over both houses in 40 years. And uh, they had 10 points that they had committed to follow. Do you think it's advisable that uh, aside from offering an alternative to catastrophic circumstances on the economy under Biden, Aside from offering an alternative to offer a, a positive agenda that could actually change things? 
I absolutely do. I, I mean, I was uh, intimately involved in the contract. Uh, you probably remember that uh, Newt, I don't want to say he delegated it, but the main point person in putting that together and consulting with, you know, all the various outside groups, the various think tanks, the economists and others, uh, was Dick Army, who after we took the majority became majority leader. And I worked with Dick and his staff, and it was as a result of our contributions and lobbying uh, that the $500 per child tax credit uh, was included in the contract. Uh, that was the largest tax cut directed at middle-class families with children in the post-World War II period. Uh, it has subsequently been doubled twice to $1,000 under George W. Bush and then $2,000 under Donald Trump, and it has lifted approximately 11 million people out of poverty, uh, two-thirds of which are children. And um, so I'm very familiar with the contract. I think we need, I don't know whether you call it a contract or not, uh, but I think you have to have an agenda. Um, the other thing that I remember about that election, I was then at the Christian Coalition, you may remember, Michael, is uh, meaning 1994, is we also unveiled in May or June of 1995 the contract with the American family. Uh, you may remember that the requirement of the contract with America was that every single member of Congress who was a Republican had to sign on to it, and all the candidates signed on to it, so it had to be unanimous. Now, at that time, there were probably 25, 30, roughly, pro-choice members of the House Republican Caucus. And so we couldn't really have a life issue in the contract. And Newt and I talked about it. I understood it. But I said, as soon as you get done with that, we want to roll out a pro-life, pro-family contract. And we got to vote on every one of those items. Um, uh, you know, so and, and by the way, one of those was the partial birth abortion ban, which we passed. Clinton vetoed, and it was ultimately signed into law by George W. Bush. So. I think elections are about the future. They're not about the past. Um, it's not just about cursing the darkness. you gotta, you got to light a candle. And I think you have to say what you're for and not just what you're against. I'm very strongly in favor of that. I believe it's the main reason why people vote. I, I think that's absolutely right. What I'm most interested in, Ralph, and uh, maybe we can uh, talk about that when we come back, is what kinds of issues, specific issues, can unite Republicans, bring people together uh, with an enthusiasm rather than uh, creating fissures with, within the party which could undermine the scope of the what looks to be a potentially sweeping victory. We're speaking to Dr. Ralph Reed. He is a founder and chairman of the Faith and Freedom Coalition. Uh, we'll post information about the Road to Majority Conference and uh, uh, what do we expect to hear about the Republican future. The Democrats now uh, want to turn attention away from the economy. They want to focus on social issues like abortion because abortion can't escape it. If the uh, Supreme Court does fulfill a long-standing conservative dream, overturn Roe v. Wade, that doesn't end the issue. It sends the issue back to the states. 
what happens there, and then we'll talk about that and much more with Dr. Ralph Reed coming up on the MedVed Show. Entertain your brain. Oh, it's awesome. Every day on the Michael Medved Show. And on the Michael Medved Show, uh, President Trump is going to be one of the speakers at the Faith and Freedom Coalition, uh, which uh, is holding its uh, big annual Road to Majority conference. And this, this year, it really could be a road to a majority in uh, both the House and Senate. And, and, and Ralph, there's, there's so many people, and you hear this a lot, uh, people really do want something fresh, something new, something uh, maybe a little inspiring and unifying uh, in both parties, because both parties have aspects that seem uh, tired. When, when you look around the country and you do this as well as anybody, do you see any potential new faces, winners for the Republican side, who uh, could bring a little bit of new energy to the party? Well, I think um, a lot of the folks who are out there running for House uh, and Senate in, uh, and, frankly, governor in 2022, I think a lot of them are going to win. And I think you're going to see the biggest wave of new, fresh faces that we've seen in the party uh, in a long time. Um, I'm very excited about Herschel Walker in Georgia. Uh, I'm excited about um, uh, Ted Budd in North Carolina. Uh, not as new a face, but I think Ron DeSantis uh, is as talented and capable uh, a governor as I've seen in my career. I would put Glenn Youngkin in that list. Um, I'm very high on Kevin Stitt in Oklahoma, who just signed a very strong pro-life bill in that state. Keep your eye on him. Uh, there's... Uh, uh, there's a couple of really good Senate candidates running in that open uh, uh, Oklahoma seat with Jim Inhofe retiring. Um, you know, they're they're just uh, terrific candidates, many minority candidates uh, that are out yeah, there. Yeah, I, I was just I was reading about Mayra Flores, who's on the ballot today. They're having uh, a special election in the Rio Grande Valley. And right. she's uh, Latina. She's charismatic. Uh, she's uh, very conservative. And uh, she's favored to win a seat that's been Democratic forever. Yeah. And I think that's going to happen in a lot of places. I'm very high on um, freshman Congresswoman Maria Salazar uh, from Dade County, from Miami. Um, and uh, I think Winsome Sears is a star, the lieutenant governor in uh, Virginia. Uh, Mark I know Robinson. she's speaking yeah. at the conference, yep. She's speaking. Uh, the African-American Lieutenant Governor of North Carolina uh, also speaking. I think likely to be the the next Governor of North Carolina. I think the first African-American uh, elected Governor of North Carolina maybe ever, certainly since Reconstruction. And I could just go on and on. And let me, if I can, Michael, uh, tell you what I think is the most underreported story in American politics today. It is the extent to which 
conservatism and relatedly the pro-family and pro-life movement are becoming a multi-ethnic, racially diverse phenomenon. Uh, Today, the generic ballot, congressional ballot among Hispanic Americans is tied 37-37. And we believe we're on track. I'm not saying it will happen. But we, if the election were held today, we would win 15 to 20 percent of the African-American vote in many battleground states. And so things are changing. We're fielding a more diverse stable of candidates. Uh, people like Michelle Steele and uh, Young Kim in California, uh, two star uh, women Asian candidates, both of whom won in 18, excuse me, in 20 and will be reelected in 22. And we just keep uh, churning out more women candidates, more candidates of color, uh, more from the minority community. We're going to have a thousand Hispanic pastors at Road to Majority. A thousand. Wait, wait. wait. A thousand uh, Hispanic pastors uh, alone? And that's in addition to. All of the black pastors I know you'll have there and white yeah. pastors you'll have there? Yes, yes. How many people are you expecting altogether? Uh, we think it's going to be somewhere between three and 4,000 before it's all wow. said and done, probably closer to 4,000. And last year, <laughs> let me tell you a funny story. You'll get a kick out of this. Last year, a reporter from a major liberal newspaper, I'm not going to out the guy, but it was the Washington Post, <laughs> called me on my cell phone and he said, Ralph, I've never seen a conference like this in my life, like Road to Majority. I said, I've never seen this many activists of color at a conservative conference, and I've never been at a conference that was center-right where you were as likely to hear Spanish spoken in the halls as English. And I told him a little bit about our strategy of going into Hispanic churches and black churches and Asian churches and building a movement that reached every single brother and sister in Christ, regardless of racial barriers and racial walls that have existed in the past. I put him on the phone with our Hispanic organizers. Michael, that story never ran. You know why? Because they want to portray us as racist. They want to portray us as white supremacists. They want to portray us as Christian nationalists. And it's not only a lie Michael, it's a slur, and they know it isn't true, and they won't report on the facts. And what about uh, the the ongoing uh, fight, uh, which is going to be a state by state fight? Uh, there's, there, are there certain states that you're particularly concerned about? with the uh, Roe v. Wade being overturned, there are going to be big battlegrounds uh, in terms of the pro-life cause. Yeah, I, I, uh, I tend to think that in most places um, that uh, at least initially not a whole lot is going to change, by which I mean States like Florida, Texas, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Georgia, uh, and many other states that have passed pro-life laws, uh, those laws will be the law of that state. Uh, Places that are deep blue, like New York, Illinois, California, they're going to go in the other direction. 
and the states that are most likely to move in a pro-life direction, uh, should we get the decision we hope we're going to get in Dobbs? And I should quickly add, we do not know what we're going to get in Dobbs. Um, This is not my first rodeo. Uh, Leaked opinions are not a majority opinion. Uh, This is an early draft. We don't know what we're going to get. But whether it's Dobbs or a later decision that revisits or revises Roe v. Wade, the places that will change most dramatically on a delayed basis will be in the upper Midwest, places like Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan. Um, And the reason why is because even though we have pro-life legislators there that are Republican-controlled, for the moment, we have Democratic governors that will veto anything we try to pass. So we'll have to see what happens in 22. If those governorships go Republican, as they could, then we'll have pro-life laws uh, that are pretty strong passed in those states. But it'll be a long process. It'll be a marathon, not a sprint. And it's going to open up, Michael, another multi-decade struggle to protect the innocent unborn. And and I know you mentioned uh, Wisconsin and uh, Pennsylvania. I know those are both uh, states with very strong pro-life movements and a lot of pro-life yes. voters. A lot of former pro-life Democrats, but that's not allowed anymore, is it? No. You look at somebody like uh, uh, Senator Bob, Bob Casey, Casey from, from Pennsylvania. His father and initially he were some of the leading pro-life Democrats in the country. He just voted for uh, the most extreme pro-abortion legislation that's ever been voted on on the floor of the Senate. Uh, that would basically impose abortion on demand uh, on all 50 states, uh, would uh, outlaw the Hyde Amendment that prohibits taxpayer funding of elective abortions under the Medicaid program. And there's never been anything like that voted on the Senate, and he voted for it. And, you know, most of the pro-life Democrats in the House were wiped out in 2010 after they all voted for Obamacare, and those pro-abortion provision. So there's only one pro-life Democrat, even nominal, left in the House of Representatives. Well, that's a a lonely distinction. Uh, Ralph Reed, uh, positive distinctions all over the place, former chair of the Georgia Republican Party and the founder and president of the Faith and Freedom Coalition. Godspeed to you with a great conference. 